The Providence Journal presents Nick and Bob, the college basketball podcast for Rhode Island and around the nation with your hosts, Kevin McNamara and Bill Koch. Hello and welcome to the latest Providence Journal Pick and Pop podcast. This is Kevin McNamara of the Journal here with Bill Koch and we're going to break down uh, what will be a busy weekend uh, here in college basketball. Uh, we're, in the, we're in the thick of it, Bill, and uh, I'm glad to see you have your uh, gloves and hat for the podcast. You, you're going to need it in Providence this weekend. Yep, it was uh, a brutal one uh, yesterday and, and going to be a brutal few more days here with the cold. Uh, we hope all the listeners made it through the snow okay, that you were safe and warm and, and kept power throughout the whole time. I was pleased uh, with sort of very baseline requirements there of, of that. Uh, we'd also like to wish you all a happy new year as yes, well. Uh, absolutely. We haven't been with you since 2017. Uh, and as Kevin said, you know, the start of 2018 coincides with the start of conference play, and we've got a lot to talk about. A lot going on. Um, I want everyone to make sure they can get to the sold-out uh, Dunkin' Donuts Center tomorrow for a noon game with Providence hosting uh, fifth-ranked Xavier. But, boy, I think the temperature is going to be 6 degrees. So uh, dress warm. Duncan, Larry Lepore will have the Dunkin' Donuts Center nice and toasty for everybody. So mm-hmm. you just got to get downtown somehow. And, uh, Bill, you're going to get on a plane and go down to the nation's capital. A little warmer down there, but uh, they get a little snow out of this uh, storm. Yep. Uh, URI is at George Washington tomorrow. It's a 4 o'clock start uh, on Saturday. First A-10 road game for the Rams. Um, you know, looking forward to a high of, I think I saw about 20 degrees oh. and, a, and a low of about 6. It's going to be balmy wow. compared to the Northeast. We'll take 20. I, I hope you enjoy your uh, short-sleeved walk to the game at <laughs> 20 degrees in the afternoon up there at uh, Foggy Bottom, beautiful Foggy that, Bottom. That might be a little aggressive. Okay. We're going to start with the Rams, uh, actually. They're riding high, undefeated in the um, A-10 with a 2-0 and start. Two good road wins over George Mason and LaSalle. Homans. Uh, Homans. I'm sorry, Homans. Um, uh, latest uh, being a 74-62 win over the Explorers. Uh, it's interesting. I read your story. I just followed the score, didn't see it, and uh, just assumed it was a nice, easy game for the Rams. But they did struggle a little bit on the way to the uh, 12-point win. It was a little bit sloppy. Uh, Dan Hurley, I would say, was happy with the outcome, but not necessarily happy with how they got there. Um, you know, it was it was uh, season-low seven assists. Um, they committed 12 turnovers, which was the first time they'd been in double digits in a month uh, in that category. Uh, the thing that really saved them was the points off turnovers, uh, you know, a season-high 30 against LaSalle. Um, and they've shown an ability to do that you know, throughout here in the early going. All 13 games, they've had double-digit points off opposing turnovers. Um, and if you're URI, that's kind of the secret this year. With the guard play being as good as it is, they take care of the ball and they force you to give it away. And, and that's sort of been the early recipe here. We're going to see on Saturday whether or not that travels to a place, uh, as Dan Hurley said after the game, he hasn't won yet at George Washington. He's 0-2 really? uh, in his six years there. Hmm. And um, interesting to see how the lineup is shaking out for the Rams. Uh, Hurley still starting Andre Berry, although foul trouble uh, got him into only nine minutes uh, the other day. And uh, both Jarvis Garrett and Fats Russell come off the bench. They were one for 11 from the field. So, you know, that usual bench, you know, excitement and uh, jolt of productivity wasn't there for Rhode Island. And, and maybe that led to the kind of the uneven play. Yep. And you, know, you look at the second half of that game. Uh, 
sort of A and A1, E.C. Matthews and, and Jared Terrell, you can interchange them however you want. They were the two best players on the floor, and, and that's going to be the case quite a few nights for URI going forward in the Atlantic 10. Those two guys are just operating on such a premium level right now. Uh, Matthews had a season-high 24 points, and it was an easy 24, Kevin. His shots were within the frame of the offense. He didn't really force anything. Just looks very, very comfortable. And then Jared Terrell had nine of his 14 in the second half. You could see it was a, a tight game at halftime, seven points, and you know Jared came right out of half and scored seven points in a minute. Uh, you know, and that's that's just how capable he is of sort of grabbing a game by the scruff of the neck and, and taking it over. He he is that sort of presence, whether it be attitude wise, physically, uh, and those two are working much better together than they have previously. I noticed before games now they work out together. They're on the court about two hours before with assistant coach Ty Boswell. Uh, he's putting them through their paces, whether it be jump shots, getting to the rim, sort of guarding each other a little bit. They really have nice camaraderie right now and I think, you know, as as you've said and as we both said, uh, this team will go as far as those two guys can take them and considering their talent, that could be a good ways. Yeah, there's no question. They're, they're the top combination in the league, one of the top combinations in, in the country, especially if EC can can play at a very high level. And uh, 10 for 7, free, 10 of 17 from the floor, three three-pointers, also grabs six rebounds in that LaSalle game. And th- that's uh, player of the year type numbers if he can certainly keep that up. Uh, but now they go on the road. And uh, it's funny, we just got back from lunch. And we were talking a little about this a little bit. And I think most, uh, many Rhode Island fans anywhere just look at, oh, they play GW and then they play at St. Louis. And, you know, those are two teams that are not in the top 100. And, you know, we'll win those games and keep marching on. But, you know, conference play on the road. And Dan Hurley has made a good job of... of reminding the press about this anyway so I can only imagine what he says to his players conference road games are a different animal yeah, we've kind of reached the point now where last year URI fans were expecting only to lose and now they're expecting only to win uh, you know and every loss is a bad loss and every team that we play stinks and we should beat them and whatever else they've started 2-0 and in the Atlantic 10 each of the last this is four seasons in a row now They've played a road game each time. They're one and two in those road games. The one win was 61-60 at Duquesne in 2014-15, a bad Duquesne team, if you remember correctly. The last two years they lost at St. Joe's. That was without E.C. Matthews. And then last year they lost at Dayton. Um, in a 67-64 game, one that was very competitive down to the end. Uh, URI didn't play particularly well. They committed 18 turnovers in that game, which matched the season high. Um, now, I'm not suggesting that GW is, is the caliber of last year's Dayton team. Certainly not. But the fact is, road games are the differentiators in conference play. URI was 7-2 and two away last year. They, they did a very good job handling their business away from the Ryan Center. But these are not occasions that you can take for granted. Granted, you, all you have to do is look at someone like Duke, who has lost six out of their last nine ACC road openers. It, it is a different thing. It's a shock to the system. It's different preparation. It's different environment. Um, so you can't take any of these for granted. Uh, and I'm, I'm hoping and I'm thinking that you know Hurley is going to have their focus firmly on this one on Saturday. I, I like the chances of that happening, knowing uh, the situation down there. I, I guess the... Uh, lazy question is, yeah, but GW is no good, right? And St. Louis is no good. So just tell us a little bit about GW because I think obviously people don't 
see them very much on television at this stage of the game. Right. You know, that's the other thing. GW has a couple players who you or I recruited in their starting lineup. Uh, Jair Bolden, guard, and Arnaldo Toro, uh, forward, who's averaging 8.4 and, and 7 boards a game. Uh, Yuta Watanabe is there for about his seventh or eighth season, uh, it feels like. Uh, he's leading the Colonials in scoring and in rebounding. Uh, coming off the bench, a familiar name, Justin Missoula, the former star at Hendrickin, two-time state champion. He's played double-digit minutes in seven out of his last nine. He gives them sort of a long defender on the perimeter, an active body. Um, you know, GW's got a couple good wins. Uh, you know, they, they beat Temple earlier in the year. They did beat St. Joe's. They had won three in a row until they lost at Duquesne on Wednesday, surprising Duquesne, who is the only other yeah. 2-0 team in the A-10 along with URI. They've been very competitive, surprising. They, they really have. Uh, they scheduled smartly. They didn't really play anyone at the start. Built up some confidence, uh, you know, and I think they've won 10 home games already. Um, you know, we'll see. That's going to flip on the Dukes once they have to go out on the road, of course. Um, you know, but GW isn't they're not a layup per se. They're they're a team that's probably in in sort of the middle class of the A10, maybe the lower middle class of the A10. Um, you know, they slow the game down. Uh, they're in the 340s in terms of tempo and, and possessions, according to Ken Palm. So you can imagine if you take a couple bad shots and you have a couple more turnovers, uh, you know, than you normally do. It could take away something on the offensive end. You could end up playing from behind, and, and this would be the type of team, the way they play, where they'd be a little difficult to come back against. And then uh, the Rams will go to St. Louis. Is that Tuesday or Wednesday? That's Tuesday night. Tuesday. Uh, you know, St. Louis is... St. Louis, I actually saw... You saw them. Yeah, Providence really ran over them, but the night before, they beat Virginia Tech in what so, so far is their best win of the season. But, uh, you know, Travis Ford has got some athletes He's got some good transfers. Uh, you know, I can imagine they've hopefully improved uh, a ton since November. Um, and, you know, again, it's a road game. St. Louis has a good following. Uh, the bottom line is if Rhode Island goes on the, on the road and plays well, they'll win both these games. But if they put forth a subpar effort, they can get nipped. You're, you're looking at St. Louis. Um, a lot of nights they look like five guys who met in the parking lot. You know, just before the game, because that's the nature of their team. They're transfers and freshmen. Jordan Goodwin and Hassan French are freshmen. Javon Bass and DJ Foreman are transfers. You know, they're not always going to just mesh together perfectly, but there is talent there. Mm. There's also going to be motivation there because URI went to St. Louis last year and beat them by 34 points. It was 90 to 56, a total embarrassment on their home floor. And I got to think that Travis Ford, uh, you know, Mister Congeniality as he is, might happen to break out that tape on Sunday or Monday and show that one to his players. I like the chances of that happening. Mm-hmm. No question. Um, just some general impressions of the A-10 off off the top, Bill? Uh, a log- besides Duquesne, which is a surprise. Well, a, a log jam of one and ones yeah. um, You know, and, and probably a, a good lesson for folks. You know, Dayton goes on the road. They lose at Duquesne in the opener. And then they beat St. Bonaventure at home, who's a co-favorite with URI. Um, you know, and it, it's just a lesson that when you try to go to places like Dayton, and VCU and you know even St. Joe's to an extent they picked off VCU Davidson. at home Davidson mm. you know these are not going to be easy games uh, for anyone really there's there's not huge separation really uh, you know if you take out URI and you take out St. Bonaventure who you feel like are the two best teams in the league by far 
um, you know, the rest of the league could beat each other up a little bit. And, they, and they're also going to look at you, you or I in St. Bonaventure, and say, this is our opportunity to make a splash and, and really get a quality win. So you're going to be fighting against that effort just about every single night, and it's going to be up to you or I to sort of match that, uh, you know, especially away from home. And, and I feel like they embrace that. Dan Hurley likes to play on the road. He likes to play in a difficult spot. I think he can draw the best out of his players in situations like this. Now, are we definitely want to elevate the Bonnies to that Rhode Island level and, and above everybody else in the league, or, or still need to be convinced that that's the case? I, I think I need to be convinced. I, I think I will. They don't have great depth, uh, but they do have some good wins. They beat Maryland. They beat Syracuse. Sorry, Kevin. They did. Um, They're still celebrating that in Olean. Well, they, which, which is a little pathetic, yeah. honestly. If, if but, you know, hey, if, if you th- these things happen once in a generation. But if you know, if you think that you're an NCAA team and you're a contender, you you got to you, know, you got to process that with a little bit of class and yeah. you know, almost expect to win the game. It's like you or I beating Providence this year. You should have expected to win that game. You're playing at the Ryan Center. You think you have the better team. You know, this this shouldn't turn into a three-month victory lap. Well, this is a different story. Rhode Island beats Providence once in a generation. Uh, this is a different story with the Bonnie. So, hey, <laughs> hats off to them. But, but I, the question is, are they... I, are they above everyone else in the league? Yes, I put them there because of their backcourt. You got Jalen Adams and Matt Mobley, two seniors, you know, two guys who have been through the wars, who are excellent players. Uh, you know, Mark Schmidt is an excellent coach, and I, I think he gets the most out of what's a thin roster. He's probably got six and a half, seven and a half players who he can use in his rotation. Uh, but they're going to be really tough at the Ryan at uh, the Riley Center. No one likes going to Olean. They have great crowds, whether it's two feet of snow or, or whatever. That's, that's um, low. Yeah. That, that could yeah. be low for there. Um, yeah, but they're going to be a very tough out. And, and you look at next Saturday, uh, it's going to be a showdown at the Ryan Center, an 11 a.m. tip uh, for television. You're going to have the Bonnies coming in here against URI in a game that's you know stands to be some sort of major sorting out at the top of the A-10. Now, is that a, a French toast or, or, or eggs? Um, uh preview that Thor Bjorn will be passing out as people file in at 10.30 in the morning. Well, actually, Thor uh, has been on the diet kick, looks great, has oh. lost about 50 pounds, so you could have some sort of like, uh, you know, low-grain low wheat toast, a fr- a frittata, or like, maybe? you know, some sort of egg whites omelet, something like that. Okay, uh, well. I, I Believe me, I could benefit from that sort of thing. Well, you better start, sure. start cooking, because uh, that'll probably be one of the largest crowds of the year, and 10.30 is 10.30. It's, uh, it's early, so we'll see. Um, I'm going to flip to the Friars here. Uh, as we said, they do uh, remain at home and will host Xavier on uh, Saturday. Before we get that, we definitely have to flip back to Wednesday night in what was easily the toughest loss of the season for the Friars, losing uh, to Marquette in overtime 95-90. to uh, Bill, I know you didn't see it because uh, you were covering the LaSalle game, but uh, Providence, uh, first of all, they showed up with yet another you know, dose of adversity. Uh, Rodney Bullock was not able to go. Um, stomach bug pregame, didn't post at all. And yet Providence played pretty well. Offensively, they played very well and should have won the game. Uh, up six with a minute and a half to go. And then on their last two possessions, they turned the ball over twice. Marquette gets a banked three by uh, someone named Marcus Howard, mm. and then a three-point play by someone named Marcus Howard, mm. and that uh, that put him up to 42 I, points. I'm sensing a theme here. 
That hit, put him up to 42 mm-hmm. to force overtime where he gets 10 more and ends with 5-2. Now, I've seen 52 before, wow. uh, which is a different level. A Marshawn Brooks for the Friars had 52. Oh, very good. Set the Big East record a couple years ago against Notre Dame. Very good. Right here downtown. Yes. And uh, this 52 was, was impressive. 11 threes um, at, at half, you, you know. Really weren't even all that impressed with Marcus Howard. Two for eight, ten points. But uh, second half was a different story. Wow. Uh, I mean, you know, you're kind of, when you're covering these games, you're kind of watching the other game in the box score. You know, and it's not really, or, or you know, following your tweets, you, you have every four-minute timeout, you mm. kind of see the score. So you don't really have a feel for it. Then you see the highlights later on and, and you know, maybe read your game story or two, and you're like, oh, my goodness. Really, fifty-two points, and you know, like you said uh, over lunch today, it seemed like an easy fifty-two. It was a lot of, you know, not not shots where he's falling into the first row or shots where he's triple teamed or anything like that. Marquette's a very good offensive team; they move the ball well. Um, you know, and when you make eleven threes, you're eleven for nineteen. That's a pretty efficient way to score. It. Certainly is, and you know, Providence put basically their best defender, Alpha Diallo on Howard for the majority of the second half and he, he, he lit him up. Simple as that. I, I, I'd love to see what Ed Cooley would say, what he would have tried differently with the exception of face guarding someone. But, you know, the, you don't like to face guard anyone because uh, of the way, again, they screen and move the ball. But in retrospect, uh, it's just it's inexcusable to have anyone go off of 52, especially a 5'11 guy who really doesn't get his own shot and, and you know isn't big enough to score inside. It was it was it was very impressive. And and it speaks to something that you know I've looked at with Providence a little bit. I've broken down their first 15 games and the way that they guard the opposition's leading scorers. And and it's a little disturbing to me um, that in eight of those 15, the opposing team's leading scorer coming in has exceeded his average in the game. Now, you would assume that he's the number one guy on the scouting report. He's the guy that you want to take away. If it's a pro, you know, if it's a great player, like you're looking at a guy, you know, take any guy in the last five years in the Big East. Who was the best player you saw? Sure, Doug McDermott. He's going to score. If he he has 35 against you, then he's Doug McDermott. Mm -hmm. He's a great player. You know, I'm not saying Marcus Howard's a bad player. He's very good. Yep. But Marcus Howard and Andrew Rousey both averaged 22 points. They had 68 in that game. That's 24 over their average. Um, You look back at a couple other games that Providence lost. Luan Pipkins from UMass, he averages 18 a game. He had 30. Um, You know, you you just can't. Ryder, your life and death with Ryder. Jordan Allen averages 15 a game. He had 29. So there's some kind of, for me, there's some kind of disconnect there between the coaches and the scouting report and the players and and how they're either you know how they're either processing those concepts or putting them into play on the court um, because if you know I look at the Rams the team that I cover most closely they've played 13 games and only three times has the leading scorer exceeded what he averages going in and it's not by a dramatic margin you had Caleb Martin from Nevada he scored 24 he averages 19 a game uh, another game you had Ricky McGill from Iona. He averages 14. He had 16. It's not mm-hmm. really a big deal. Sure. Um, but if you're Providence, I would almost look at it with, with a more Belichickian point of view. I'm not going to let your best guy beat me. Beat me. And, and I think Marquette was just a, a glaring illustration of that going forward. And I, I really think that it could be a differentiator for Providence going forward if they can't put a lid on the other team's best option. No, and, and maybe we're speaking to you know a basic problem. They, they don't have 
good enough one-on-one defenders. Obviously, their team defense has only been okay. Uh, and when a team like Marquette gets 95 against you, it was a really it was a difficult defensive night all the way around. Not not just uh, you know the person who had to guard Marcus Howard. That's usually a team situation. I will say their post defense has been really shaky. It's a major major concern, and especially starting tomorrow when Z- when Xavier comes in. And I know Bill, you're certainly familiar with the Musketeers. Mm. I'm really impressed with what Chris Mack has been able to do really for the last five years since they've uh, entered the league. Uh, Elite eight last year, Sweet sixteen three years ago, and now this could be his best team. And really, it revolves around three seniors. Sean O'Mara comes off the bench, but uh, one of the better backcourts in the country with uh, J.P. McCura and Trevon Blewett. Uh, Blewett's going to score over 2,000 points, which in this day and age in college basketball is, you know, those guys don't stick around very very long. Um, they're just very good. He, he's, he's stockpiled recruiting uh, wins, and, um, you know, they sell out every game. They, they are one of the elite programs not only in the Big East but in the country. Well, when they made the move from the A-10 to the Big East, they made the investment practice <laughs> facility. They've upped their recruiting. Uh, you know, their program is running like a high major program. And, and like you said, the depth on this roster is very impressive. Uh, Tyreek Jones, a sophomore, is a monster on the glass. Um, you know, one of the top 100 defensive rebounders in the country. Najee Marshall is a very impressive freshman. He was recruited uh, at a very high level. You get Kareem Cantor, who's the brother of Enish Cantor. He was a graduate transfer, I think, from Green Bay, if, Green Bay, if yes. memory Milwaukee, serves. Green Bay, yeah. um, you know, and then you've got some underclassmen in there, like Quentin Gooden, who was very highly recruited. Kaiser Gates, who's a junior who's played in a lot of games. Uh, Paul Scruggs, who who doesn't play very much for them at all, but who would it's start like a top for... top 50 guy. Yeah, right. He yeah. would start for plenty of teams. Uh, th- this is just a really, really solid basketball team. Uh, you look at them across the board, they, they don't really have many weaknesses in terms of, um, you know, like Ken Palm metrics. Uh, they don't force turnovers necessarily that much, but effective field goal percentage against... You only shoot about forty six percent against them, uh, you know. So they're really hard to score against from two and from three. It, it's just a very solid team. Their only loss is to Arizona State, and we've seen what they've done early on. Uh, you know, they've been one of the the breakout teams in the country. Uh, and this is the type of game that Providence now, having stubbed their toe against Marquette, now they almost need to win to to sort of get back to equilibrium here. Yeah, Providence's season is getting away from them kind of right before our eyes here. Uh, first of all, you can't lose home games, and the Marquette game was a game that uh, they're certainly going to rue the day that to lose that one. You, know, you can lose to Xavier, and you can lose to Villanova, um, but Marquette you have to get, and uh, certainly you don't want to build up a losing streak and lose three in a row, and then go on the road next week to DePaul, a place where you lost last year. Um, you know, So it's it, at some point they have to dig in and get a good win. They haven't beaten anybody uh, in the top, you know, 50 to get excited about right now. Um, need to be whole. Rodney Bullock didn't play the other night. They need to have right. certainly 100% health and just play well as a team. Uh, happened at St. John's kind of out of the blue. I think everyone was surprised by that because they just shot the ball so great with 16 three-pointers. They've made five three-pointers in the next two games. So, you know, that, that, that's they're not a great three-point shooting team. They just happen to do it that one night. Uh, are they going to need to do the same thing tomorrow to beat Xavier? Maybe they might. You know, that, that might be the trick. But they certainly need to be 100% health-wise uh, to be able to turn the ship here. Yeah, and to be fair to the Friars, you, as you mentioned, they've been sick, they've been injured, they, they've had a really hard time 
putting out the team that Ed Cooley recruited, uh, you know, and that was going to be always going to be a question without Emmett Holt this year. But you look at the Big East in terms of maybe a class structure there. Xavier and Villanova are at the top. DePaul and Georgetown are at the bottom. The games in sort of that middle class, the Marquettes and the Seton Halls and the St. John's, those are your swing games this year, and those are games that you need to get, especially at home, which is why the Marquette game is going to hurt going forward. And I will say the bottom of the league is better. You know, Georgetown is Georgetown. Um, you know, I've taken Butler overtime, um, played, already have a win. DePaul had actually had a 17-point lead at Xavier. Uh, early in the second half uh, last week, which is pretty bizarre, and then Xavier came back and got him. But those teams do not stink, and uh, if Providence doesn't play well, they can find themselves toward the bottom of the league really quickly. Uh, obviously, something that would really surprise Friar fans. But getting complete health is uh, mandatory for this group because yep. they're, uh, clearly they're, they're not going to out talent many teams in the league. So dress warm, Friar fans, when you come to the uh, dunk tomorrow. And uh, Ram fans, you can just stay in your warm houses and watch uh, the GW game. That's that is on television, right, uh, right Bill? Uh, it's streaming on the Atlantic Ten Network, I believe. Streaming on the network. Well, the, the, uh, we can find that somewhere. Then we can. It's okay. true. Great. We'll be back next week. Thanks very much. Thank you.